Hey, Ma. Hey, Christine. Are you all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to New York. Hey, let's go to New York City. Well, not at first. Oh, that's at right. First, it's, it's yeah, I kind of really... Oh, that's right. Okay. It was okay. just New York. This week we are doing the 1930 film The Divorcee. It just sounds so classy. Look at us. How classy. 1930s Divorcee. Oh, G- wait. Sorry. Real quick. Apologies for the sound. If it's subpar and there's a light hum that is annoying to everyone. I am keeping the AC on today. Christine and I talked her into it. So if you hear a hum, let it yeah, go. I was going to swelter for you people, but they said, no, no. You no. be comfortable. No. Bring Our three listeners are fine with the AC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, our listenership dropped off after, you know, Crystal didn't join us another time. <laughs> Jerry and Ted are blissfully in love, much to the chagrin of their circle of well-sauced but lustful friends and rich yeah and white yeah <laughs> just living the good life i mean it looks like a fun party though didn't it yeah and i would want to be there yeah i love the lodge or the i'm sure they called it a cabin but i mean that place was cool so aaron we are going to do the particulars oh the particulars okay oh i got ahead of us i'm sorry it's all right. Do not apologize. Yeah. This is a no apology zone. Um, the Divorcee. It was released on April thirtieth, nineteen thirty. Produced and directed by Robert Z. Leonard, who was a director, actor, producer, and screenwriter. He did The Great Zigfield, Abbott and Costello in Hollywood, and The Bribe. Just The Bride. I knew I was going to say that. The Bride. Just to name a few. I think we're interested in the bribe. I know. Nerd (laughs) alert. He was married to silent film star Mae Murray, who was also known as the girl with the bee stung lips. Oh, Oh, hello. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw, sorry, a picture of her and I was like, okay, I guess. Screenplay by Nicholas Grindy. He also did Babes in Toyland, Delinquent Parents, and The Man They Could Not Hang, just to name a few. Oh. Also, Zelda Sears. She was an actress, screenwriter, novelist, and businesswoman. And she started working at the age of 12 when she won an essay contest. She then worked as like a cash runner and then a sales clerk i mean like from 12 like she that's how she got her foot in the door but at 12 she was like a little cash runner and then she was a sales clerk she became a newspaper reporter when she was like hey i want to be a newspaper reporter and the guy was like all right go ahead she had her own public stenography and typewriter, yeah typewriting service in new york while she was pursuing acting and then that's how she became a script doctor because all of her clients were in the theater And then she got into scripts at the request of Cecil B. DeMille in the early 1920s. So she also was in Devil May Care, Daybreak, and Tugboat Annie. And she was in Broadway a whole bunch and movies. Wow. 
I was so afraid that was going to go wrong. Oh. You know, she got into the biz at 12. I was waiting for a sex worker thing to happen. Oh. Well, I'm sure she's got some stories, but... Oh, she, she was me, too, yeah, I'm sure. I, yeah. Uh, John Meehan, he also wrote Boys Town, The Prize Fighter and the Lady, and The Painted Veil, to name a few. It was based on the novel Ex-Wife by Ursula Perot, who also wrote Strangers May Kiss, Next Time We Live... And there's always tomorrow. <gasps> All right. This is a great nerd alert for her. In 1922, she married Lindsay Mark Perot, who was a New York Times reporter. Two years later, they had a son, Lindsay Mark Perot Jr. But she had the son in secret because her husband never wanted a son. And like that's he didn't even know? Yeah, he didn't know. She kept, Somehow she kept her pregnancy and birth a secret from him and gave the child to her father and her sister and went back to her husband. And then he... Wait, so he didn't touch her for like seven months? This all sounds really... Because in the Wikipedia... I got this from Wikipedia, so who knows? It also, like, he didn't want a son. It was like, so if it would have been a daughter, or was it that he just didn't want kids? And, and yeah, he, where did she go? She just went away and then came back. And maybe he was right here. Maybe he was in the newspaper business, or maybe he was out on a story. Because, you know, back in those times, if you went to Europe, you were gone for the year or something like that. So, um, when he found out in, so what he found, it said he found out two years later, like the Wikipedia thing had some holes in it because it said that, that they got married in 22, two years later she had the kid and then two years after that she found out about it. But they got, and as soon as he found out about it, they got divorced and they got divorced wow. in 1928. So he immediately divorced her, rejected the existence of his son and never saw him. So Ursula, she, I mean, she didn't like take the kid back, but she always was a, like saw him often, brought him many gifts and paid for his Harvard education. So, okay. And okay. So then that's like weird and nuts. And then later in her life, December, 1942, she was brought up on federal charges, attempting to help jazz guitarist, Michael Neely Bryan, escape Miami Beach Army Stockade. <laughs> yeah. And she went to trial and she was found innocent from a jury of these charges. Lynn manuel get, get a hold of this story, okay? <laughs> I know, this is like Ursula, yeah. Wow. Damn. All right, so the music was by Jack Yellen, who also wrote Happy Days Are Here Again and Ain't She So Sweet?, and did the scores for Night and Day, King of Jazz, and they learned about women, to name a few. Mm. Also, his partner is Milton Agger. I don't know if they were partner partners, but I think it's right. just music partners. But who knows? Nobody would say in the 30s. Right. The director of photography. I hope they were both very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. The director of photography was Norbert Brodine who also shot... This guy shot on so much stuff. I was like, damn. He was in a, did Our Gang, Merrily We Live, 
Lady of the Tropics, the Loretta Young show. I was, <gasps> on, yeah, he did a Frank. bunch of those. Yeah, that's true. That was all. It startled me. I used to love Loretta Young. She would come through the the double doors with her chiffon flowing. And he also shot I Was a Male or War Bride. And it's edited by Hugh Wynn. And there was nothing for Hugh Wynn. Sorry, on Wikipedia. The cast. Norma <coughs> Shearer as Jerry. She has been called a feminist pioneer because she was the first American film actress to make it chic and acceptable to be single and not a virgin on the screen. Yes. And nerd alert, she was the first woman to be, or I think the first person to be nominated five times for an Oscar, to have five Oscar nominations. Wow. Um, She converted to Judaism to marry Mm -hmm. Irving Thalberg, who was the head of production at MGM, and he was also known as the Boy Wonder. She was in Let Us Be Gay, Strangers May Kiss, Private Lives, and she got nominated for an Oscar for the uh, their own desire, the divorcee, a free soul, the Barretts of Whipple Street, and Romeo and Juliet. And <laughs> Irving Thalberg died in 1936. I think he was 38 at the time. And she went on to retire from the screen acting at 1942. So I kind of think that's why we probably don't hear that much about her. And there's other reasons we'll get into later. Okay. Chester Morris played Ted. He was a Boston Blackie in the Boston Blackie 1940s films. In 1929, he got a Best Actor nomination for the film Alibi. And he was also in The Great White Hope, to name a few. He was in a bunch of movies. Conrad Nagel, he was Paul. He was also in Free Love. All That Heaven Allows, and The Fighting Chance, to name a few. Nerd Alert, he was one of the founding 35 members of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So he helped found, like when people get up at the Oscars and they say, I like to thank the Academy. Oh, He's one of the founders. And he also hosted, I think, the third and the fifth and the 25th Oscar telecast oh. show thing. Mm-hmm. Robert Montgomery played... Don, he was in Night Must Fall, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, and The Big House, to name a few. Nerd Alert, he is the father of Bewitched star Elizabeth Montgomery. Elizabeth Montgomery. Montgomery. Oh. That was her nose going back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. Zelda Harris, who co-wrote the screenplay, she was starred as Hannah. I'm assuming that's the maid in the beginning. Yeah. Because yes. she was known as, quote, the greatest stage old maid. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yay, lucky for her. Helen Johnson as Dorothy. She mm-hmm. was also in Working Girls, The Vice Squad, and The Asphalt Jungle. And Floris Eldridge played Helen. She was also in Charming Sinners, Act of Murder, and Inherit the Wind. And there are the nerd alert. I mean, the particulars. Yes. Okay. Well, um, we're going to get to uh, other nerd alerts in a minute. 
First, we're going to set the table. Uh, the movie starts in a lodge, and there are a lot of couples there, and there are some playing cards. Were they playing spades, or were they playing... Uh, I like they were playing poker. I don't oh. know what they Well, that playing. would make sense. Um, there was dancing going on, and then... Um, Somebody is worried because the daughter and Tom aren't home yet. Tom? No, that was Ted. Ted. Daughter and Ted weren't home yet. Dinner was ready. Hannah comes out, you know, the old maid. And she's like, no nonsense. Dinner's ready. And then the doctor is talking to Paul, who is looking for uh, the doctor's daughter. and But then he sees her kissing somebody else, Ted who is described as a poor newspaper man. But Ted is telling Jerry, the daughter of the doctor. Norma Shearer. Yeah, she has a great screen presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I save enough money, we will be married. Um, <laughs> and Tommy. he says that Jerry, <laughs> the dogs are having antics. That um, like... Playing with Tommy, came over here to play with Mac, and now Tommy got jealous and he's come over too. There's always something. Um, Jerry is a great girl with a man's point of view. Um, at which point, another woman approaches Paul. Um, but T- Ted and Jerry are still outside kissing. There was a lot of kissing. And then they come in and announce their engagement. And Paul is sad. Paul isn't sad. Paul gives her Dateline oh, eyes. Yeah. yeah, that look. It cuts. I thought that's where the movie was going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, Paul is has murder in his eyes. Look at that. Oh, where's Andrea Canning? Get her over here. Ah, uh, Paul is sad. And then somebody says, you're a fascinating wench, Jerry. There were so many quotables in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had to stop writing. I couldn't write them all down either. It, there were just so many. Uh, it appears that several men in this lodge were interested in Jerry. Well, because she thought like a man. <laughs> Jerry and Paul meet eyes. And Paul is sad. And then everyone is leaving for New York. And Paul is quite drunk because he was sad, and uh, and he's going to drive. And people are telling him, you shouldn't drive. Helen, I think, was yeah. saying, Paul, you really shouldn't drive, Paul. Uh, but Dot gets in the car because Dot has well, eyes on Paul. And Dot was, Dot was the one that made Paul the drink. She was behind the bar. Yeah. And when Paul oh. was looking, and then remember, Paul even was like, I thought you said, like, Can Paul. you tell me who was in the car? It was Paul was driving. Yeah. Jerry was in the passenger seat. Was Jerry in? No, Jerry no. wasn't. Jerry no, was, was in the other car. It was yeah. Dot that was in the passenger seat, and behind was Helen. And then who I, is Dot's sister? Yeah. And then, like, another Some guy? other dude. Yeah, another yeah. dude. Oh, I was wondering, okay, I thought it was Jerry, and I was wondering why Jerry was in the car with Paul if she'd just gotten engaged to Ted. Yeah, Yeah. because that was one of the reasons why I had to, 10 minutes into this film, rewind it and start it from the beginning, because sometimes with these older films, I find that 
I need like a warm up. I need to recalibrate and get on their wavelength. And then once I'm kind of into it, then I'm like, oh, I need to go back so that I can uh, watch it from the beginning. Because it jumps right in. There's no like slow start. It jumps right in. And it's, right. it's nine, it was made in 1930. And so sound, I think, was maybe like, what, 27? Maybe in 29, the, okay. the jazz singer. The sound wasn't great. So this is one of the early, early sound pictures. Um, and yeah, the sound isn't great. And it's just, it just takes me. It's just, it, it was just such a shock to the system of, oh, okay. And sometimes I'll do that with, with like uh, English films that have like an, like it's in English, but there's an accent like Australian or. Yeah. Brit- I had to turn the subtitles on. Yeah, I did too. Oh, wow. Just to I help. never think to do that. Mm-hmm. Just because well, I was trying to write down because there were so many quotables. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, this part of the film I had to look away from because Paul is driving extremely recklessly <laughs> and it keeps doing the herky jerky camera on the windy windy oh, yeah. It was pretty good for night. I was like, Ooh. this holds up. Well, then we see Paul go through a, what well, it looked like it was a bridge, but it wasn't a big bridge. It was just, I don't like know. A and then kind he, of. He wrecked the car good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the car is upside down. Everybody thinks that Dot is dead. No, she's still alive. Okay. Didn't y'all think, though, when the car goes off, like, oh, they're all dead? Because it's a, it's, it's a 1930s, um, convertible there and there's no roll bar there's no roll bar on that thing so i'm just like everyone has been cut in half and it's just their necks are broken yeah everyone's dead not even a um, neck rest or anything yeah um i thought dot was dead but dot's not dead well maybe she Dot's sister wanted her to be dead. Dot's sister was like, Dot's if she, sister. I hope she's dead and so she's not ugly. She'll never get married. Right. She was so pretty. And now I hope she is dead. Yeah. I've never seen anything so horrible. I'll make you pay for this, Paul. And the very next scene is the wedding of Ted and Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. I loved the scene, but I'm still confused by... <laughs> We never heard from any of them again except for Paul. Yeah. Well, there well. is a scene after the wedding. So we do see, because it goes to the wedding. Like everybody's... Oh, wait, and then there's a hospital bed. Yeah. That's right. Yes. But still. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, and the wedding was quite spectacular. Yeah, I mean, these um, people have money. This is like, oh, yeah, people man. had money. Because this and... is the depression going on, but not for these people. Whew. No. And the Art Deco. Yeah. I love the art deco. I, I mean, I don't want it in my own home, but I do enjoy it. Okay. The next scene is Dot in her hospital bed. We don't see her face. It's all bandaged. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dot and Paul are getting married because he feels like he owes it to her because nobody else will marry her because she's Oh, yeah. That, okay. This is all making more sense that it was Dot. <laughs> And not Jerry. And now I get it. And we see them again. Okay. Oh, I sure. <laughs> can you cut out that last part when I said it? 
No, it's all free game. <laughs> okay, then we jump three years. And that's why she's wearing the veil. Yes. Yes. Ugly. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> She shall not be seen again. Her sister wishes she were dead. <laughs> okay. And then never loved each other. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Jerry is working at home. She's a working girl. She's a, what is her job? I, I I think it has something to do with um, like typing, typing up things. Oh, okay. I think it's something in the in the secretarial kind of thing, but I don't know. Okay. Well, um, it is three years later, so it is their third anniversary, and um, Ted has to go to Chicago on the night of their anniversary, and um. Oh, and then Hannah, the cook, comes in and says she has a hot date. And um, I think Jerry asks, are his intentions honorable? And Hannah goes, I'm afraid they are. <laughs> well, Ted had had his mother's ring reset as an anniversary gift for Jerry. And they are just a little too adorable here with each other. I mean, they are three years in and they are still so lovey-dovey. And then so one dude comes in pretending to be an Italian organ grinder. Yeah. It was so weird. That's so weird. And then people come in and they brought Janice, who immediately, you know, knows Ted as in knows Ted. Yeah, because they're, cause they're all, so they're basically a clique, you know, like they're this group of friends. So you know every weekend they're probably getting together, but this is extra special because it's the wedding anniversary, and then they bring this other woman, and they're like, oh, she said that she knew Ted. Okay, but if Helen is supposed to be her best friend, yes, why was she like, oh, yeah, let's just bring this random, late, this random woman that knows Ted mm -hmm. to right. my BFF's place on her anniversary? I don't... Go ahead. I just think it's a little shady as her friend, unless she knew something was going on and she was bringing her over to be like, hey, bitch, I've been trying to tell you oh, Ted has been doing something on the side. And we ran into this lady and she said she knows Ted. I think that's what happened. That oh, could very that's well be. That's the narrative be. I have made in my, to myself. I think so, too, because Helen was like a no-nonsense person. And if you were any friends with Ted, you knew... He was a gallivanting fool. Well, that's, I took it the other way. I took it that Helen was, I took it that Helen, like, was frenemies with everyone, especially since her her sister lived and is hideously ugly because of Paul. Like, I felt that, okay, this is kind of convoluted, I know, but that Helen was, had some anger issues with Jerry because the reason that Dot, Dorothy, her sister's disfigured, uh, is because Paul got drunk her. because he was in love with Jerry. And so I don't think that Helen was ever super, like, cool with Jerry. I think she was just kind of like, oh, look at this bitch. Goes off and gets to be married to her, the guy that she loves and stuff. Helen was trying to start. So Helen was just start some shit. Yeah, I kind of wondered. She was the pot stirrer. Yeah, maybe that's it. Anybody who watches Real Housewives of Beverly Hills would call her the Teddy. 
of the group. And you know what? I think it is because of that show, which I only see like one episode a year whenever I'm visiting my mother. And I think that that has, I saw that these were rich people out gallivanting and I automatically assumed that Helen is like these rich housewives and that's why I made that assumption. So apologies to Helen if she really, if Teeny was right about it and she really did have her back and was like, no, I'm trying to prove this. Because not only did they bring Janice, but... At that, at this party on the third anniversary of Jerry and Ted, Helen announces her engagement mm-hmm. to Don. Yeah. Was it to Don? No. I don't even know who it was it to. It was to this other guy. Not- okay. Well, Janice sneaks into the kitchen where Ted is. Why haven't I heard from you in a month? In a month. This is his third year anniversary. Wah, wah. Well, Jerry walks in and she goes, some guests are only thirsty. Yeah, that was a good that line. That was a good line. Mm-hmm. Jerry, was a good line. Jerry was good about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then Jerry has to go in and dress for the evening, which is her anniversary that she won't spend with her husband, but will spend with her friends because her husband's going to Chicago. And, you know, he's got some a couple people in Chicago. Yeah, and Jerry's not, don't get it twisted. When Jerry came in and saw the arms, she knew the score immediately. She, she was, read the room. Yeah, she read the room, and she, she. it's not like, oh, no, it wasn't what I thought it was. No, she's like, damn, yeah. I just saw that. I am pissed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm going to do more than burn your letters, mofo. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jerry's dressing for the evening. Ted is packing. They're in the same room. And Jerry says, Janice and I will both miss you. I loved that (laughs) so much. And Jerry said to him, there was something in the way she looked at you that made me want to kill her. (laughs) I loved that too. At which point Ted on their anniversary says, I won't lie to you. Well. And therefore there is the truth. You caught me. But he keeps telling her it doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean a thing. Um, oh, is that also when he says, or is it later when he says, you work like a man. You should understand this. Oh, I might not have that quote, but I have three more coming, four more coming. There's no, uh, and Ted says to her, there's no sense in overplaying it. You know, like, get over it. Come it down. Mean Relax. It's like not even like, this is one and done. They no. have like a affair going on. Yes. And then he goes, snap out of it. You're out in the world doing a man's work. Mm-hmm. Here we are, Aaron. Then there's a toast. And somebody says, may they never be less happy than they are right now. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then Jerry repeats it and, and looks yeah, at Ted later. and says, Ooh, yeah, may we funny. never be more unhappy than we are right now. I was like, yo, she's about to drop some lemonade. Like, go get Beyonce's yeah. lemonade album right exactly. now. Exactly. At this point, we see our only person of color, a train porter. And Ted is on a train and he's writing. It's like he's probably writing an I'm sorry to her or, uh, you know, snap out of it or, he's you know, writing it didn't mean 444. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> but how did it get on her bedroom pillow? Uh, telegram? Helen? May- I mean, the uh, one side of their oh, house? Hannah. 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 
Oh, Hannah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, probably oh, Hannah. Well, so Ted is on a train and Jerry is with the gang and Don brings her home. And he's going, what's the matter? And she says, I'm just trying to hold on to the marvelous attitude of a man's point of view. Okay, let me explain who Don is to the audience. So Don, yeah, Don had very, I got, okay, the vibes from Don I got was, uh, what was his face in Singing in the Rain? The blonde Danny Kay. Is that Danny Kay? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, Don okay. is Don is a cross to me between Danny Kay and and a young jim parsons from uh okay you know he's tall and he's very good looking and attractive and he's he's always out partying um he's never like attached and so i kind of got the the in my mind when i'm watching it i'm like oh he for some reason i thought of like oh he's a dandy i'm not even sure that meant but i i, I got that he was probably not into women but, but, <laughs> but that, so that's kind of how he is. And, and it's a familiar trope, you know, of like the very tall, dashing friend. He had great quips and stuff and he was friends with both of them and he really liked Jerry. Um, but I thought he just liked Jerry because Jerry was very likable. Like every, I like Jerry. Everyone would like Jerry. I did like Jerry, but I felt like every man wanted to get in her pants. Yeah. I mean, even him. Maybe it was a trial run. Who knows? Yeah. At which point, Janet, uh-uh, Jerry says, I know all about Janice. And so Don has to comfort her. And it doesn't mean a thing. I know it's not supposed to mean a thing. So Don is comforting Jerry. And Ted tries to call, but... Um, why didn't she pick up the phone? Because, so they're, yeah, they went out to the club and stuff, and then it got the club closed, so they came back to the her apartment, and then... Well, before she went to the club, this is one of my favorite quotes, because she was like, I just don't know what to do, I don't want to, like, sit at home, and he was, Don was like, well, there's plenty of places to go, lots of things to do, we can go to all the places and do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> And so then that they was like forever, yeah. yeah. And Don always went to all the places and did all the things. He was the fun guy. So they leave, and it's when they leave. Then it, I think it goes to the telephone because he first. I think it was also it was two things. It was nineteen twenty nine thirties telephone stuff. So it was relatively new. He had to go to the operator, operator and you see yeah. because remember on the train he asked the porter. How long do we have? Can I make a call? And the porter said, like, yeah, you can make a call. You don't have very long, so it better be a close call, which made me laugh because I'm like, okay. Um, but that had to be the technology at the time. So exactly. he's off, and he, he's talking to the operator, and he's like, what do you mean it won't go through? Like, can, hurry. Like, can you please hurry? Try to place it. So I think, like, the call wasn't able to go through for technology reasons. And then they leave. And it goes, the camera goes in onto the telephone and it's ringing. And so it's like, he finally got the call to go through right as they left. Right as they left. There were lots of shots like that where it zoomed in on something. Mm -hmm. uh, was, lots of hand shots. Yeah. Like close ups. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. very, it's, it's very uh, sophisticated 
in its time of what you would think for a film. But you have yeah. to think that this, you know, this was filmed. These were all people who worked in silent film. So I, yeah. that's why the sound isn't great. They're all used to telling a story with visual mediums and right, stuff. Right. So they're still doing it. Oh, like, that's why they were so good at that. Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, then they come back. Um, Don and Jerry come back. And there is a cigarette box that was just left there. Now, I'm not talking a, a box of cigarettes. I'm talking about a, a cigarette case with someone's initial on the front, probably sterling silver, with a big-ass J on it, mm. which was left on purpose from Janice to say, wah-wah. But it's kind of weird on Janice's part as a wah-wah because, like, Jerry could have been like, well, this is mine now. Ha-ha. I'm a J, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She could have, and but... But Janice was more of a um, in-your-face, eat-it. Mm-hmm. She was yeah, messing. I, I, she was I've like, been with your man. I'm just going to mess with her. Because she probably has several cigarette cases in her. Oh. Oh, ouch. Um, well, at this point, Jerry goes, I've got to get out of here. Oh, and, that's, oh where she that's the when they leave and the phone rings. Right. Because yeah. she had come home. She was a wet blanket. She was upset. She didn't want to be in the party. And then she came back, sees the cigarette case and goes, I'm going out and having some fun. <laughs> yeah. And they go to a club and she looks like she's plotting murder. Doesn't she? Oh, yeah. She's sitting at the table and her eyes are just like staring straight ahead. Um, then we see... Does, does Don take her home? All I remember are the curtains closing. Yeah. That's well, all you see is they come out of the club and then like they're holding hands. They come out of the club and you just see them get into the car and they like cuddle up together. And then mm -hmm. you just see the curtains closed at their place. So, like, you know, Don's what's going on. Yeah. And then you see her come home in the morning and it's light outside. Oh, exactly. Oh, Don. That's right. Don, damn. Yeah. And so Jerry comes home the next morning and she's in their bedroom where there are twin beds, which made me think of Ricky and Lucy Ricardo. Mm -hmm. I always think of my grandma. <laughs> well, grandma. yeah, because but you could. Well, <laughs> but you couldn't show a double bed then. I mean, this was even before the code. This movie was made before the code. Yeah, it was. It's a pre-code movie. But I yeah. just thought that there were some people who just did that. There were a lot of people who did. I mean, Grandma used to take a broom to bed with her so because there was a nightstand in between their their twin beds so she could hit Pop with the broom to stop him from snoring. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a rough life. Okay, well, there's a telegram on her pillow that says, I haven't slept thinking of you. Be home Friday. So she's like, because oh, we know that she has now done the deed with Don. Mm -hmm. And he has been having his numerous affairs. So Friday, Ted comes home with some flowers. And she is very cool to him. I mean, she is presentable to him, but she won't let him get close. To, there's always something in between her and... That was one of my favorite scenes. I think that was my favorite scene. was when she was, And then when she made the coffee, she was making the coffee. Mm -hmm. And like... Yeah, the whole, that whole thing was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I, you know, I'm here, 
but I am not forgiving you this easily. Um, well, they have to go to Helen's wedding tonight. Which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah. That he just came home and she was like, oh, yeah, by the way, they're getting married today. And he was like, oh, I guess we'll have to go to that. And like that she was like, oh, yeah, they're having a reception. He was like, oh, I guess we'll have to go to that. <laughs> so I made it seem like it was just like, oh, we, we decided we're going to do this today. And then it was like this big thing. It seemed like there, that was the weddings were just really like you didn't spend a year planning a wedding. Yeah, you were just like, all right, let's get married. Yeah. I guess you just called your people and had made it happen. And I think it was yeah. kind of easier for it to happen because the rest of the country was just suffering from debilitating depression of, you know, financial yeah. resources and stuff. So there's probably a lot of people who were like, yeah, we can do your wedding. Real yeah, we can. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. No problem. And also... It wasn't easy to communicate with people back then. If he was That's on a true. trip, you know, That's it's true. all it is. It's telegrams. It's trying to get a... <laughs> yeah, it's not like nowadays when you're like, we got engaged. Now we're... Here's another announcement of our engagement. And here's our save the date. And here's when our <laughs> wedding's going to be. Mm -hmm. By the way, let us know if you're going to come. <laughs> yeah, I got to let the caterers know. And I doubt Jerry was, like, going to the telegram, like, uh, Helen and so-and-so are getting no. married. Stop. We have to go to this thing. Stop. You know? Because it, they, there was a quote. I didn't get the whole thing, but it was, it was our blissful marriage that encouraged Helen oh, yeah. to get married, which was, uh, wow. Yeah. But he's still, he's not reading the room, of course. He still thinks everything's okay. Well, he he comes in very tiptoey and then sees that she's making breakfast and doing the coffee and all that. And so he's you kind of see him over the course of the scene, kind of like his shoulders kind of start to come down. And he's kind of like, oh, I think I got away with this. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then know. when she says that line about the um, it was our blissful marriage. And he was like, is there some sarcasm in there? Like that was the first time he was like, oh shit yeah. yeah like uh oh oh and then he said does he say you'll have to make up your mind one way or another uh, I, I think he says it to her because you know it's time for her to snap out of it well i'm waiting so for her she, to drop the best line of the whole movie and the, when she said when you said being unfaithful doesn't mean a thing at which point don calls Oh, perfect timing. And he's going, don't say anything to Ted. <laughs> and she hangs up on him. How dare you tell me what to do after you've had your way with me? I've had my way with you, too. But uh, don't tell me. Well, how that's to handle because it. Don and Ted are best are supposed to be best friends. And that's how, like, you know, it. It's kind of like, oh, Don is who we thought he was. Because he's he's like, I look at this face. I can't take a punch. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> okay. So she says at this point, I've been balancing our accounts. Yeah. She said, I balanced our accounts. Yeah, and that was so good. I was like, oh. Because at first I thought, you know, she was, you know, head of the household and like balancing the accounts. But then I was like, Oh no, she balanced the account. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and he goes, Who's the man? And she goes, It doesn't mean a thing. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so great. It was so oh, great. Oh, snap. 
And he goes, I always thought you were the most decent thing in the world. It can't be true. <laughs> and she says, it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to work. See you tonight. Well, there's the wedding party. I also and- love that she was just like, bye, I'm going to work. So. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. she didn't. She was actually like, I'm going to be late for work. So I got to go now. Peace out. And uh, they're playing Happy Days Are Here Again. Jerry is dancing. Which there's, what is it called? An anachronism? I think that's the word. But that song wasn't out when this movie was supposed to take place. Oh, really? Yeah, it's one of those weird oh, things. Oh, okay. Okay, so the timing was off. According to the page in Amazon Prime that I looked at. Well, Ted arrives drunk, of course, because, my God, his wife has actually had spent a night with someone else, not even had an affair, spent a night with someone else when he's been seeing other people all along. And he gets so mad, he pushes the wedding cake off the table <laughs> and accuses the dude who is at that point dancing with Jerry of being her paramour, and he punches him. Next scene, we see Ted packing, and she's going, you're leaving me? And we've got to live our own lives. Um, and she's like, she wants him back. Well, she's just kind of like, I thought that we were going to be 50-50. And you did this. You said it didn't mean a thing. I did it. I said it didn't mean a thing. But now all of a sudden, like, you have a problem with it. And it's like, I think this is a scene where it comes out. Basically, she, like, says it. She's like, you're... You don't even have, it's not even the affair that you have a problem with. It's that you don't know who the guy is and it's your pride that. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it doesn't even have anything to do with us. It's this whole like masculine thing that you have going on. Yes. And that was his issue. Mm-hmm. He wanted to know who the dude was so that he could. Yeah. Because it was about, it was just about like that somebody else was with his, like, that he was in possession of her right. and somebody exactly. else had his possession. And so that was his issue. So she, does she here's another quotable. Look for me in the future where the primroses grow and pack your man's pride with the rest. From now on, you're the only man in the world my door is closed to. Yeah. She was basically like, to the left, to the left. Everything you own, to the left. That's right. (laughs) Bye-bye. And guess what? I'm going to be having a good time with anybody except you. Next scene, we're in divorce court. Her divorce will be final in three months. And... Somebody says to her, now you're exactly as you were before you were married. I thought it was Helen. Yeah. I think it was Helen. She was Helen. Because Helen had been divorced before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's right. So Helen was like, I had the best time in the world when I was as an ex-wife. So. Yes. And Jerry says, all I need is a complete set of young illusions and an innocent expression. (laughs) Man, there were so many good quotables. Okay, so now it's New Year's Eve. And because they still run in the same circles, Jerry and Ted happen to be in the same place. They lock eyes. 
she goes to him. Happy New Year. She has a huge diamond on her hand that is called platonic jewelry. Oh, is that when? Because there were a bunch of scenes. Yes, there were other men. Yeah, around. she had like a whole montage of just like men she was going. Yes, out with. exactly. But man, who knew there were platonic diamonds? Not in my day, people. Um. Then we see her. That's when we do all the hand, the close mm -hmm. up of the hands. Her hands with other men. Mm -hmm. uh, so okay. Um, he, she, but she has let all of her pursuers down gently. Like she is not engaging with all of them. She's she is out for, partying. Yeah. She's not, she's just looking for companionship. She's not looking for uh, a new husband. Nothing she's serious. She's not looking for a hookup. Yeah. Right. No, she, that is what she's looking for. Yeah. Uh, but she doesn't completely, I mean, she goes out and has fun, but she's not, being um, what some people would term a slut. Yeah, she's... Oh, I thought she was. I thought she was... Oh, oh okay. she's not... I don't know. I'm not being a Maybe slut. Maybe she was. I, I don't she know. She was having a good time. She was sleeping with these guys. And yeah. I'm saying let, let it... You don't get platonic... You don't get platonic diamonds. That's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, she was... It's really what I thought. I thought she was, like, sleeping with them for a night and then being like, all right, like... Bye-bye. Yeah. yeah. Looking for anything. She, Excellent. Yeah, she was being just wined and dined and enjoying it. Just yeah. having a good time. Just like, oh, you want to yeah. give me this? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to get mine. Yeah, that's Does. right. That's right. Okay. And then she says, somebody says, I just want to know the truth. And she says, the truth is the last thing any man wants to hear from any woman. Ooh. Then she's on a train with this dude fr uh, fr uh, from somewhere else. He might have been. I thought French, he was one of the been... guys that, because there were a lot of uh, foreign accented men. Right, right. With her. And he was fairly attractive. Mm -hmm. And she was on the train with him. And Paul is on that train too. And he sees Jerry on that train and they reconnect. And it has been an hour. Man, so and it's not what there's only like twenty more minutes after this. I know it's a really yeah, short it film. Like it's a fast film. Time. Mm -hmm. So yes. I mean, we're gonna spoil. We're gonna talk about what happens at the end after this. So if you want to stop now, it's a really fun one hour and twenty two minutes. I think. I mean, it's really white, so most of our listeners will be fine with that. <laughs> Okay, my POC count is one, the same porter on every train. Oh, I see, I have two because I thought they were different porters. I thought Maybe. they were different porters. Yeah. I think they were. They were different porters. Okay, I hope so. I remember we went in a, what was that episode? Well, we went into it about the whole porters and the strike and how how porters were really significant in the history of upward black mobility and also the civil rights movement. And yes. we talked about how in old films, the only time you saw black people were as porters. And so. Okay. So now we are to, I hope we hooked you because it was kind of fun. Nerd alerts. Okay. Christine. Do, well, can I just set the table for the 1930s and then we'll go into Christine. Yeah. Okay. 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 So this came out in April, 1930. So in 1930, 
3M started marketing scotch tape. Wow. Mm-hmm. Pluto's existence was discovered. And, and, then, and then taken away. Yeah, and it was a planet until 2006 when it got downgraded to a dwarf planet. Yeah. So. I- isn't the word planet still there? Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's like stepsister. I get, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's this weird thing where it's massive enough that it can go around the sun, but it's not massive enough to like have its own some sort of pole. It's just this weird yeah. technicality. Yeah, uh, I'm Team Pluto. Mahatma Gandhi basically tells Britain like, "Yo, I'm about to start some civil disobedience up in this bitch." <laughs> You're about to recognize um, the Danish painter Enar Wagner begins sex reassignment surgery and becomes li- uh-uh. Lily Elba. Elby? What? Uh-huh. And I think that this is the story of the Danish girl. I was like, yeah, I'm, oh I'm pretty God. sure that this is what the Danish girl is about. Oh, I never saw that movie either. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that early. Wow. Yeah, 1930. Twinkies was invented. Yeah, I can do it. However, the hostess cupcake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like Twinkies. Um, Warner Brothers introduces Looney Tunes. That's right, folks. Uh-huh. That's all, folks. And in March... 31st, the Haynes Code, which is the motion picture code, <coughs> starts going into effect. Mm-hmm. Before this film. This film wouldn't have been made after the Haynes Code, would it? Well, I, I have more on that in Nerd Alerts, but go ahead, Christine. Well, that was my Nerd Alert. Nice. Because I kept reading, and everything I was reading, it was talking about pre-code. Yes. And I was like, what the hell is pre-code? I have no idea what that means. I've never heard of that before in my life. So I had, I actually did research. I was going to just ask it on here. Um, so production code was a set of industry and moral guidelines for the self-censorship of content that was applied to most U.S. motion pictures from 1934 to 1968. So it basically was a set of rules that they tried to enforce originally um, like Hayes was going to be the person enforcing it or something like that. And then it was like, he was having to review 500 films with like a small team per year. So it was like not realistic. So then the production companies became in charge of enforcing the code. Uh, So the, 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 there was like a list of things that were like, could not appear in the, in the films Pointed profanity. This includes the words God, Lord, Jesus, Christ, hell, SOB, damn, and every other profane, vulgar expression, however it may be spelled. Oh, we are Yikes. so vulgar. Yikes. Any suggestive nudity or any nudity at all, in fact, or in silhouette. <laughs> notice thereof by other characters in the picture um the illegal traffic in drugs any inference of sex pervasion um white slavery was not allowed (laughs) 
what? I mean, whoa, that's like, I don't know that people were like, like, it's not like they were showing white slaves anyway, but they were like, just to be clear, you cannot do just that. Just don't even think about wow. it. Don't even think about going there. Um, sex relationships between black and white races. Ooh, um, that's a big one. Isn't that that word I can't say, Mrs. Yeah, that's why I didn't say it. Miss. <laughs> Miscegenation? Yes. Oh, good um, job. I've been cutting some of these words here and there because of that purpose. Uh, <laughs> sex hygiene and venereal diseases. I um, did wonder when they were so promiscuous about the um, sexually transmitted diseases. Oh, it was just rampant back then. Plus, just yeah. all the smells. Everybody's just stinky. Yeah. Um, Scenes of actual childbirth, in fact, or in silhouette. Um, this one is a little weird. Children's sex organs. Oh, okay. Children's sex organs. Wow. Um, ridicule of the clergy. <laughs> and any willful offense to any nation, race, or creed. Mm -hmm. She seems like that one they didn't really stick to. No, yeah, only white. Uh, yeah, that was just like excuse because it's it's only like uh, I mean because they make fun of Italian. Well, this is pre-co, but like you're still allowed yeah. to make fun of like Italian people and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm sure so Irish. Those were like you absolutely couldn't have it in there. But then there's a whole nother list that was you had to. It said, be it further resolved that special care be exercised in the manner in which the following subjects are treated to the end that vulgarity and suggestiveness may be eliminated and that good taste may be emphasized. Good taste. So, like, uh, there's a long list, but one of them is um, uh, first night scenes, man and women in bed together, um, deliberate seduction of girls, the institution of marriage, um, and excessive or lustful kissing, particularly when one character or the other is a heavy. <laughs> heavy. It says is a heavy. It lets me kick on hit on that, but uh, <laughs> oh. yeah. Um, so I don't know what that means. So I read into that and then basically that started in 1934. I mean, they came up with this in 1927, I think it was, but they didn't really start enforcing it until 34. Yeah. Because nobody, well, nobody was really enforcing it. They were just like, Oh, right. here are the suggestions. And so it was just like, you know, they're like, all right, mm -hmm. well, we're, you know, we're not going to show children sex organs. Got it cool mm -hmm. <laughs> okay and so then i guess then from 34 to 68 was when it was really enforced mm -hmm. the most and then like in the 50s and 60s there started to be certain films that would i can't remember the which ones that they started winning cases like they would be like okay but we want to put our film out and like we need our film to be made and so then they would be like okay fine you can like your film's fine and then, like, when TV started coming along, um, they had more competition. And then foreign films didn't have this code. So then right. foreign films started being shown in the United States. And they were, I'm oh, my God, they probably had so much sex and heavy kissing in there. <laughs> the heavies. 
So then they were like, well, we kind of have to do away with this. And then after that, um, they turned it into the rating system, which I did not know. And that's how we oh, found well, the rating system. I mm-hmm. didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Huh. Well, but yeah. it was interesting because there's a whole part in there about Norma Shearer. And so about how she, like, this role, and there's a movie called The Women, mm-hmm. which I don't know much about other than it has the same plot, basically, where she, her husband cheats on her, and then she ends up getting back with him in the end. But there was all this stuff about how she, like, um, couldn't react because that movie was made when code was being enforced. So like oh. there were certain things like she had much more free, like she could act, react to that differently as Jerry than as whatever the name she was when she played in the women and oh, how like wow. it, the women was basically like her last film and it was a big film, but she was like overshadowed by Joan Crawford Crawford I'll bet mm-hmm. and like she didn't get like most of the like one there were like a lot of one-liners in that movie but like they didn't give them to her right. and like her her producer husband had already died and right but yeah I learned what code was mm-hmm. excellent yeah it was just to piggyback on it there was things like um promiscuity like prostitution infidelity abortion intense violence and also homosexuality mm-hmm. um it really came like the the code and making it be enforced um, the american roman catholics they thought that the american cinema it had the immor it was immoral you know it was promoting Im- immoral standards and mm-hmm. corrupting the youth and that's what's so funny about it the like, it's like yeah. somebody had to be like oh that's that was like this is the moral standard. Yeah, and that's right. the thing is that it wouldn't um that there's a whole stuff that couldn't be shown and that it was also though, you know, there's like this list don't show this, but then the underside of what it's not saying, but what it is is that it's promoting traditional values. But traditional mm-hmm. values to who? So it's traditional values that promote your traditional perspective and way of life and i don't know if either of you are are familiar with but i am definitely going to buy this book on audio and listen to it because i've heard a bunch of interviews with this author and i'm fascinated by it oprah's book club her new book is cast the origin of our discontent by isabel wilkerson isabel Mm -hmm. wilkerson was the first woman to receive a pulitzer prize for journalism and this whole book is about how the term racism may be insufficient in our current era and a new framework language is needed to understand our diverse divisions and how we got here. And it's all about how like, maybe we should look at it in America is that we have a caste system mm-hmm. and it's based on how you were born. And that the, if you think of the, your skin color as being the skin of a skeleton, you know, that's what's seen and it's easy to be like, oh, look at me. All right, you're born this way, that's how you're treated. Um, But that it's the caste system is the structure, it's the bones that you don't see. 
that it's built upon. And I highly, highly encourage people to go and find out. She's been doing a bunch of publicity. And so there's interviews with her on NPR and the Larry Wilmore podcast and stuff. And Oprah's like, yeah, this is a very important book. So I'm going to buy it and listen to it. Because just listening to her, I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, it is. And when you take it and, and put it as in terms of a caste system, then I think it kind of makes it easier to understand and it maybe will take some of the uh, defensiveness out of things. Origin of our what? Cast, C-A-S-T-E. And it's oh, the yeah. origin of our discontent. So Thank you. I was like, oh, damn, because, yeah, like, you're just talking to her and everything you see, you're like, yeah, that's true. Because... Um, she broke it down as saying, like, because, you know, there's all this intersectionality and stuff about class and stuff. And what she's like, if you can act your way out of something, then if you can't act your way out of a situation, then it's a cat system. And one of the oh. in- examples she uses is, you know, Forrest Whitaker, Academy Award winning, you know, actor, filmmaker, goes into a bodega and like walks out and people you know like think that he stole something and arrested him and it's like you can have all of the education in the world all of the credentials in the world but because you look it away and that's that system has been inbred into our country uh it's just like oh no that's you're this way so I think it's going to be a pretty interesting book. So I just thought I would mention that here because it's because it goes into the thing about like, well, the tradition of values for who? Because I, I when I was watching this movie, I was like, man, what would it have been like? Because one of them was like, you know, strong female characters were big before the pre-code. And that was one of the things that the code yeah. didn't really want to see anymore. So what would what would society be like if we had just all been raised on? seeing these characters as opposed to anytime I see a black man in old films and really films in general, but I'll just say old films for our sake, it's as a porter and how watching that, what that does, because it just reinforced the caste system of like, Oh, that's, that's their place. Know your role, know your place. So it's just like, what would it have been if we had, if we hadn't had this code put into place? I was just writing it down to make sure I I have it so I can look it up. Oh, okay. Okay, any more nerd alerts? Uh, Those are all my nerd alerts. We are two reheatables, best and worst. Ah, nice. Okay, um, a negative is that she actually is blaming herself for her husband's infidelity. Well, not really. She's blaming herself for the breakup of her marriage, I think. Oh. The double standard because he had affairs and she slept with one dude. So, yeah, the marriage should break up. And it's on her. He blames her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the double standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Others put the separate beds when they were been married for three years. <laughs> I mean, some nights that might be nice, but <laughs> and but if I'm gonna go separate beds, I'm gonna go my own room. Like if you're gonna make me sleep in a separate bed, give me my own room. That's right, and make it bigger than a twin, okay? Yeah, and then 
the cuddling in the arms yeah. in the beginning and on their anniversary night yeah. and she was just like it looked so uncomfortable for her because he was just lounging back and she, you know she was having the whole head up and her neck up the whole time yeah i just um it actually reminded yeah. me of the kiss between um michael jackson and <laughs> lisa marie presley lisa marie presley you know just just uncomfortable i wonder though yeah so this guy the actor that played ted he was giving me strong robert wagner vibes like <gasps> rj vibes of that guy who is he he's he's like he's okay handsome enough okay enough but not drop dead gorgeous no but just that weaselly kind of like weaselly. yeah just very exactly. weaselly but then i was looking at um his mouth and i kind of wondered what his teeth situation was and so i wonder if he had like halitosis or something like if his breath situation was horrendous and norma's like ah I, oh uh, man, I got yeah. uh, Okay, yeah, Ted, I love you. Uh. So, yeah, I, Clark Gable thing going on. Yeah. I have okay. um, the uh, racism against Italians, for lack of a better term. Like, uh, yeah. I heard WAP, yeah. and yeah. the guy had like a fake nose that he put on. I was he just did. like, damn. And the organ grinder, and then the person pretending to be his monkey. Yeah. And then also later on, somebody was going to Japan, and, and the Japanese were called heathens. And I was like, oh my gosh, guys. Well, I even missed that. Yeah, I did. I, I caught it. It was a, uh, yeah, just swipes it. I was like, all right, we get it. You're rich and white, but like, yeah. come on. Um, like you said, the, the double standard, because especially like just when he said it, ir it irked me so much when he told Jerry, like, will you work like a man? So, you know, basically you should understand a man's needs was basic what I took yeah, from that. Right. And then just putting it all on her shoulders of. But then she acts like a man. Yeah. And, and then, then it, everything's over. Oh, my gosh. And then my my. um the last one that I wrote down, I'm sure there's more, but just there were a couple. Ted threw some punches, and Paul threw some punches, and man, guys, rich, rich guy, not looking good for rich guys throwing punches. It was just real awkward looking, and they I wondered indeed. if it was, um, like that they're dandyish, so they don't know how to punch, or if it was just the um the infancy of the cinema and the stage yeah, punching yeah. that they couldn't really get it. Cause there was a lot of, I don't know. I just always think of the, like the fist being perpendicular to the ground. And there was a lot of, like, they were both vertical punches that I just yeah. thought it was kind of odd. Yeah, and the, and the punch didn't even meet the skin and the other person went. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, yeah, this just needed to be just reworked all, all the way around. Exactly. I agree. Okay, positive reheatables. My positive reheatables was uh, Art Deco. Yeah. I love the Art Deco. Mm. You know, the the wall sconces and the, uh, just, yeah, lots of Art it's Deco. It's not, I, I love looking at it, but it's not something that I would want. 
It's no, very me cold. Either. It's it's always yeah. very, just a very cold and. It's like the Chrysler Building. Like I don't want that, but it's so cool to look at. You know what? It it Art Deco to me. Like if you want your inside of your place, like your living domicile, to be Art Deco, you like Scotch. And that tells me oh, all I yeah. pretty much need to know about you. Like, wow, you just like things to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Hard and um, I put the scream during the car crash scene. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Um, the parties. I mean, they just like to have fun. They did have fun with pretty dresses. I did love the yes. clothing she the wore. The fashion. It was by a designer named Adrian. Oh. Yeah. But my favorite thing was her jumpsuit. And that was she was wearing in the beginning when she walked in on her and um oh yes I, just, I want that I thought of now. you I was like oh look at that jumpsuit I know Christy's gotta love that it looked it was like white right the pants were white was it white and it was like very flowing it I noticed yeah. it I liked all of her fashion in this and uh. she was so slim. Nerd alert for later. I know there is nerd alerts for later. Yeah. Oh, do you really? have any? Yeah. Do you have any other good reheatables? I got a. I got quite a few. Um. Um. Yeah, I did. The coffee scene. Yes. Yes. I just love the whole scene. Yeah, that whole scene. Mm -hmm. But those were mine. All right. I got just pretty people. How they just live a completely different life especially yeah. pretty rich people because this yeah. the sister or the sister just is like she's the sister comes over the sister survived how does her sister survived i don't know how anyone yeah, survived how any that of them runs over and it's like oh she's dead she's dead and the doctor's like she's not dead but don't look at her and then the sister looks and gives like this blood curdling scream and then it's like <laughs> i wish she was dead i wish she was dead <laughs> And I'm just like, wow, like, yeah, when you're pretty and and then to yeah. go like to not be pretty, that's got to be a rough transaction. Mm -hmm. I thank goodness I don't know anything about that. So, oh, um, yeah. I love like when they're like, oh, Paul, Paul stumbling into people stumbles down the stairs. And I was like, yeah. this motherfucker is going to get behind the wheel. Yeah, just take his keys. Uh-huh. So the, the good reheatable is this is why Mothers Against Drunk Driving exist. Exactly. It was founded September 5th, 1980. It took until 1980 for oh it God. to be like, Incredible. hey, yeah. here's an idea, guys. Maybe not get behind the wheel of a thousand plus pound death machine right. when you've been like, why couldn't why couldn't helen's whoever was next to her have driven but could anybody could well probably like oh she's a female so women could right have, yeah i'm saying the women would not have that wasn't even an option but there was another male that could have taken over the driving duty i just like that as soon as i saw that he was like that and i was like he should not be drinking do not get in this car and that is all because of candy lightner and she started Mothers Against Drunk Driving in 1980. So thank you very much, 
you've done a great service well done exactly um i like how there wasn't really any music like there wasn't really a score to it because i think that was one of the things that that threw me for a loop where there would be these dramatic scenes and i'm used to seeing black and white and ooh, like a swelling over oh. kind of saccharine string orchestration kind of thing and there wasn't in this film and i i thought that was quite refreshing and i was like oh i kind of like that i kind of like that they hadn't figured that out yet yeah i hadn't paid attention to that um <clears throat> I like like the whole thing in the beginning how they, they were like oh we're gonna be 50 50 and then she makes a joke like of 60 40 or 70 30 yes, or something yeah. and then I loved how she was like I balanced the account I'm just like what yeah, what year was great. this um oh man loved I already mentioned it I call it the Dateline look that Paul gives when they come back in and they announce the engagement. I was just like, man, that man is going to murder somebody. If looks could kill. And he practically did, but it was even worse. We already mentioned the fashion. I would like to point out I was a big fan of the cut of the men's suits. I was just like, all those men looked like they were just poured into those suits. Mm-hmm. I just liked it. I was like, man, why did that go out of style? It didn't seem like their waist were up at their nipples. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. man, wait ten years, guys. you exactly. Right. That's what. That's when that came in. Yeah. Um, you know, Don just kind of being like, hey, maybe he. I guess he maybe he likes both. Like, just, very possibly. Yeah, just like Don is just like wherever he can get it. He just party party animal. Yeah, he. I, I do like. Um, Don could easily be the guy though that. Uh, puts the the drugs in the roofie. Yeah, yeah, in his conquest, male or females drinks. Um, but I kind of didn't the way that was Robert Montgomery played him. I didn't get that from him. I just right. got that he was just no, a rich. Yeah, I got that he was a, just a rich guy who just did what he wanted to do in life. He got what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. No matter what. So those were my good reheatables. <clears throat> This was an early Robert Montgomery, yes? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I think so. Okay. He looked pretty young. We are to quotables, and I have done them through my... Um, yeah, mine are, all, mine are all done, too. I only yeah. had this one that I hadn't done, and it, somebody said, the marvelous latitude of a man's POV. Which I just thought was, just, mm. I was like, oh, that's rich. Oh, wait, I did have one. When she was on the train and that, like, one guy was trying to get in her pants. Yeah, and he sure was. He mm-hmm. was, like, not having any of it. And she was kind of, she was just like, no, like, no, 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 no. And he was like, he called her a cold woman. And she said, are you sure you can tell if a woman is cold or careful? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, come on. Every man that tells me to smile on the goddamn street. <laughs> uh, well, they can't anymore because that's one of the great things about the mask lifestyle. No, I haven't had any. Yeah. Four months. Yeah. I haven't had people tell me to. Like, I used to get it a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. And I do. really, it really stopped. I. 
the, I think maybe like around 27 for me. That, that like yeah people just like kind of stop saying that to me <laughs> it ain't gonna work i remember badge man and badge man at bethany this year was totally american and at one point i said i'm smiling he said yeah we keep getting these texts that say smile even though people can't see it i guess you know it, people think the eyes and stuff yeah i yeah. wasn't ever smiling i was always like pointing significantly yeah. to my badge because i'm like yes. i don't look like everyone else around here so <laughs> i want you to make sure that you see that Do i belong here me. i got the badge we still have your badges teeny mm. okay um okay lvps oh okay mine was the double standard oh, that's a good one that's a good one well, it's the main one, but go ahead. Oh, I just thought yeah. of... Okay, go ahead, Teeny. Mine was also the double standard, and it's a perfect week for it because Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, mm -hmm. that song, wep, and everybody's all up in arms about women talking about sex in their music. But meanwhile, men have been doing it for years. Forever. And, yep. and nobody has a problem with it. So I just, I was like, oh, this is very fitting that this movie is all about that. Yeah. Exactly. Are you, were you too young for um, Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown no, and stuff? I was not. You know, well, Cause, I mean, yes, on paper, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nothing new. Like, well, yeah, it's not. Well, and that's the thing. And that's why I was so shocked that people were like up in arms because I listened to it. And I was like, I mean, this is like nothing new, but it's like very mainstream for the, I don't know. I guess maybe because that was stuff that, but I mean, you would have to buy the CD. It wasn't like how, I guess how it is now where it's just the internet and you go on it. But it, I, I'm like, like I listened to it and I was, like it, it just it was one of those like i mean i did kind of clutch the pearls a bit but then i'm i laughed because i was like what are you like this is this is what the kids do like and is it the worst thing in the world they're not talking about violence and all of this stuff i'm like maybe we're fine talking about going around and shooting people yeah but, but like a, a woman talks about enjoying herself and that it, it's just it's just like that's what, that's what was like this whole movie in the 30s was about her going hey you know he had fun I'm gonna go have fun yeah so I have a I let me do my least read my LVP that I put down because I actually have a new one since we've been doing the okay. podcast so the one that I wrote down is the least valuable player yeah not sometimes this award for me is the person that I didn't like. This was the one that I just had the most pity for because she just she basically just had an L the whole movie, and that was Dorothy. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, now that I know who she is, yeah, Dorothy. Yeah. She gets her face sliced <laughs> up. Then, <laughs> then she she marries. She gets At pity. First I felt really bad for her that this guy was just like, wow. I just like hate my wife. You can like she's I don't understand. Yeah, really. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Put a paper bag <laughs> over her head. So, I, you know, oh, my God. But, yeah, that is, like, so fucked up. So, Dorothy gets her face fucked up. 
Mary, Paul agrees to Mary, not happy about it, but he's like, well, I did mess this up, and so I'll marry you, and you'll be taken care of. And so he's taking care of her, but obviously he doesn't love her. Obviously she knows that he doesn't love her, but she was in love with him. So then that sucks. And then it's the pity. And then the part that we didn't get to in the recap, because the last 20 minutes of this, you find out that Paul basically wants to get back because Paul's like, oh, snap, Jerry, you're single. All right. Well, I'm not really single myself, but my wife will understand because her face is horribly disfigured and I'm going to take care of her for the rest of my life and her life. So I'm sure she'll give me a divorce and stuff. It's fine. And then Dorothy goes over to Jerry to be like, hey, um, I know you want to be with my husband and all, but it turns out I really like him and I've always liked him and my face is hideously disfigured and my life has been really hard. It's basically like, I'm not going to put the blame all on you, but it's just kind of like blame. You had a hand in yeah, it. Yeah, you kind of had a hand in it. I know you like you didn't do anything, and so you're basically gonna take away my husband, and um, uh, like, like why? You know, like I have. Anytime I go in public, I have to wear this black veil over my face. Yeah, I mean, and then she's and then she's saying that, and then she looks over her shoulder, and there's her husband. They're come to like hang out with Jerry and stuff, and it's. Just, and then Jerry has to be the one that's like, you know what? I, I kind of can't do that. this. Like, what are you yeah. asking me to do? Like, th- like, yeah, but you married her. And honestly, the editorial for me is your ass kind of should have been in jail for that. Like, yeah. you, you know, yeah. I don't know what the law situation was in the 1930s, but she kind of did you a solid so maybe you should have like a little bit more loyalty of like, hey, you, you know what? You made a bad decision, but you didn't go to jail. You still have your great life. So, you know, I, I, I was tough. But my new least valuable player is the Hayes Code. Yeah. and how and just because how many movies have we done where we've always been like man that's just like really weird that they couldn't say that or that they would show this i was so shocked watching this because i didn't know about that so i was like wow this is crazy that they were doing all this in 1930 and then it just like went away and that's why and and it's because you're like yeah we're watching this and it's like wow it's people behaving like people and then they went it should have been groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah, and they went and changed it so that then the movies were showing people not behaving like people. And but that's what is being broadcast of like here, everyone, this is what you need to be. And it's right. not like the pe- like look at our society. Did did we did we like take it in and be like, "Oh, look at the movies." Like people have yeah. sex, you know? Like people have abortions. People make mistakes why not show that and show people right. dealing with that then right. to it's it's so like what, what is it like waspy the whole like well nothing to see here everything's yeah. fine yeah, yeah it is it is very so it was waspy. basically yeah. the I'm waspification yeah the waspification of cinema because of the haynes code and and i wondered well, as, as your poppy would say pussification yeah and i wonder like when this movie came out was this 
was this a big hit like like a comic book movie you know like did everybody go see this or when this movie came out was this like the shape of water you know Mm -hmm. was this like some people would go see it because it was like oh this is an oscar movie and so i don't know it was the only it was only the third wait was it the was it the oscar did it win best movie because she won best actress i I think it won best movie no, and it was only the third Oscars because she was the f- first Jewish woman. Am I wrong? Well, she was Jewish because she converted. Right. So, yeah. so she was the first Jewish woman to win an Oscar, but it was only the third Oscar. So I'm just saying. Okay, MVPs. Mine is the dialogue. The oh, amount good. of quotables in this movie, unbelievable. Mine was Jerry. Yeah, mine yeah. too. I just love her. Norma so Shearer. Good. I love her attitude. I love that she was like, you cheated on me. Get That's fine. I'm going to cheat on you back. And you're the, I'm going to go for every man but you now. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I just love Norma Shearer's screen presence. I want to do more movies of Norma Shearer. I'm just like, I know. Wow. I almost wow. changed my movie this week for it. Yeah. 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 I was, uh, yeah. Okay recasting mm-hmm. i i know that christine is not a fan of this but i did I'm my a fan i just can't do it <laughs> i had a hard time a really hard time i have two jerry's but i uh, i have ted and paul and i didn't even do a dawn oh i did a dawn okay so my paul was uh shamar moore Okay, yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. And, uh, okay. So my Ted, again, because I want it gorgeous, Boris Kojo. How do you say his name? Yeah, Boris Kojo. Okay, so I have two different Jerry's. One, I have Thandie Newton. Mm-hmm. And one, I have Janelle Monet. Because she could so do think- all of those lines. If we're going in... Like Norma Shear energy, I'm going Janelle Monet. Yeah. I feel like she has closer to Norma Shear. Although I did read that Thandie Newton uh, Q&A that she did with somebody re- like within the quarantine. And I'm like, she's got some feistiness to her now. Yeah, I, I, she's got some feistiness. I could just see, yeah, I could really see Janelle Monet doing those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, those were mine. Okay, so I was, I was really, I didn't do like a Hamilton cast because I was really trying to figure out like the energy and just of like, well, who is this person now? You know, like if you were like, who is, who has Norma Shear energy now? And like that kind of energy. Um, mm-hmm. So for Paul, I, I was like, he just, Oh, for Paul, because of that stare and stuff, I went with Ryan Gosling. Okay. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for Don, I was really trying... I wasn't happy with this, but it's okay. I, I did go with Jim Parsons for Don. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. Um, for Ted... Ted, like the guy Chester Morris, he really, I could not figure out who he reminded me of. 
the but then i i guess it was the closest thing was i said already the robert wagner energy that he had oh okay of that but i couldn't really think of anybody um like to cast him because ideally it would be someone who isn't necessarily a mo- a big time movie star right but is in movies but is good looking but but i liked paul because he he wasn't he wasn't super good looking like he kind of had a bit of a boxerish kind of face like he kind of had this this uh like i don't know he just uh, it was just weird to me but i ended up going with just the idea of of i'm sorry the idea of ted so yes. yeah i've been saying paul but i meant ted so i ended up going with adam driver as ted oh, oh. Mm-hmm. so my norm my norma sheer i was like oh it took me a while because I'm like, man, she really reminds me of somebody. She really reminds who is it that she reminds me of? And I was like, oh yeah, she's the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh my she's God, Rachel yes. Brosnahan. I'm like, that's norm. She's like completely Norma Shear energy. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And then so good then job. I had a secondary kind of just throwaway cast because. Um, Basically, it's thanks to Donald o- O'Connor because he was really the person I wanted to be Don the most. And then I was like, oh, well, why don't we just completely recast it with Singing in the Rain? So Jerry is Debbie Reynolds, Don is Donald O'Connor, and Ted is Gene Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. That's true. That's true. So that was my second yeah. cast. Well done. Yeah, because truthfully, this one was, it's hard to recast this one because it was so well done. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty, like, I'm like, Rachel Brosnahan is kind of our Norma Shear right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she could deliver all those lines. Okay, Tasty Nuggets. Joan Crawford wanted this role. Mm-hmm. And she was nasty about it and said the only reason Norma Shearer got it was because her husband was in production. Well, her, her husband wasn't in production. Her husband was production. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, she's not wrong. And even her husband said she wasn't, She her husband didn't think that she was going to be sexy enough yes. to be on screen and so she, or to be the role. So she went and got a whole photo shoot done of her in negligee. Glamour shots. And showed it to him, and then he was like, a her on the spot. Yeah. I just feel like Joan Crawford, what we've seen of her, was so severe. And um, Jerry needed a little bit of... Likeability. Uh, yes. But is that yeah. us knowing about wire hangers? You know? Maybe. Like, maybe. In those times, nobody, they didn't know that, like, oh, Joan Crawford's like, like she used... But everything she played in was severe. That I know of. Yeah. I mean, there could be others. Okay. Uh, It was a 22-day shoot. There were no retakes in this entire movie. That's huge. Um, And Norma Shearer was pregnant throughout the filming, which was only 22 days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, okay. That does make sense. Because I saw, like, yeah, when her, I think, I think Irving Jr. maybe is the kid's name. But I, when I saw his birth date, I was like, oh, that's the same, 1930. Huh, wonder. Evidently, Greta Garbo was going to be Jerry, but she dropped out. Oh, that makes sense. And again, I mean, this was thir- 1930, and, and she always seemed, you know, pretty art deco to me. Well, didn't Kinda we do her hard. big, was it Nanachka, her big comedy yeah, breakthrough? Yeah. So, like, before then, it was, she was just garbo you know but it turns yes. out like if she brought the nanachka that like uh, all right i'd be here for greta Gar- garbo i'm doing sure this. she could have done it but i love norma sheer uh we've already said this is pre-code and there was a a lot written about the close-up of the hands lots oh. of hand close-ups okay no like why or just there's a lot written People, people written, are saying, I chose not to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> people mentioned I it. I chose. But if you're interested, it's out there. It's out there exactly. for you. I like you it. You can go down that rabbit hole. I chose it's to shut off adventure. my computer. When I was reading about Norma Shear, um, I was struck by, so she, she always knew going into it that she wasn't, um, for lack of like a looker. You know, like she had, I know, but that's the crazy thing. So she had, she had, uh, she had said that she had dumpy, a dumpy body. And this made me laugh because she, because she had like broad shoulders and she had like strong legs and stuff. And, And I'm like, yeah, everything that makes you look fabulous in these outfits, Norma, um, her eyes, she had a bit of a I think it's called like a cast and she had to work really hard at it and then eye doctor gave her exercises to do because when she her eyes was focused on something one of them kind of wouldn't focus so it made her look like she was kind of cross-eyed and so she had to do a lot of work of getting that um one of her early times she went up to okay how she got her one of like her first roles is they were in line at one of the studios and they were doing extras and they were lined up and people were going, the casting person was going down the line and like looking and picking. And like, so she was counting. And right when she was about to pick the last one, she did a classic um, like cough and it made the casting director look at her and the casting director laughed because it was like, oh, like, you know, she did the classic like, hey, look at me. And so he was like, all right, go ahead. Yeah. And then she went up to Cecil B. DeMille one time and was standing like right in a in a light. And she was like, oh, this is going to be great because he's going to see me in, in great lighting and stuff. And Cecil B. DeMille like looked down at her. And I guess her this is and this is hilarious to me. Her eyes were so blue that when Cecil B. DeMille looked at her, he was like, no, your eyes are too blue. It's going to make it look white. And like, yeah, like people with blue eyes, I guess, in the old time cinema, like they didn't know how to light it right. And so their eyes would look uh, empty. And like basically all the things that they say about like black eyed people now about soulless and blank and all this. (laughs) Like that's what they used to say with like blue eyed people on the screen. Bye bye, Brad. And so she had to like work on her eyes. And when she had her first um, film uh what is it called like film check thing you know like they film you doing it for the studio Uh to look at 
her she was just crying because they lit her awful like they didn't want to have shadows so they just flooded her with light so it made her nose basically disappear and her eyes look like white and um a famous like cinematographer yeah i think a famous cinematographer saw her and how she was crying and he like looked at it and he was like yeah oh my god what like they lit you all wrong and so he redid it for her and lit it correctly and then it was just like oh wow look at that so she's and she studied herself in the mirror to so that she would know what poses to made her look the best so that's what she would do and what uh sides looked right and she worked at the exercises so they would her eyes could be focused on the right direction like for the duration of the shot like it's just and it's just crazy to me that like I looked at her, I was like, "Oh wow, she's gorgeous, gorgeous!" And I, and I was struck by how like strong she looked. Like she didn't mm-hmm. look all like flimsy and f- like you know she looked very strong. And there was a, I also read something about how there was a role and it called for her the character she was gonna get played to like be assaulted. And Irving Thalberg, I think this is his wife, was like, "Nah, she, like she can't play it." And they're like, "Why?" And she's like. Because she doesn't look like she would get assaulted. Like, she looks yes, like she would hold yes, her she own. She of herself, yeah. And so I just thought, like, I'm like, wow, she's just, she's a great reheatable. Because she's just, like, yeah. looks fantastic in like, these blouses and these scarves and everything. And how she, I was like, man. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Any other tasty nuggets? Oh, uh, that was it. Oh, and... I guess just to like tie it in with what you said for like the woman. So yeah, Joan Crawford was always mad about this. And then when she gets the role in the women, Irving Thalberg isn't around anymore. So I'm sure that Joan Crawford did not make things easy. Exactly. Your husband's not here anymore. Step back, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And I just heard when you were talking about Norma Shearer, she said one time that Jerry was... Very strong, almost ruthless. She was perfect for me. Oh, good. See, that makes me like her even more. I remember hearing things about her, like in the You Must Remember This, like Norma Shear and stuff. And I remember always like, oh, she sounds like she was actually really cool and just yeah. helping out people. Yeah, and, and like, I love that her husband was like, you're not sexy enough to be on. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, it. fine, I'll show you. Yeah, watch this. And we mentioned... I'm- that he was he was a boy wonder so it wasn't they were around the the same i i think he was four years older than her so it's just he very much had old man energy um but he was a boy wonder so he was head of production he was like this young hot shot um he wasn't this old man that she sidled up to i really liked her i just i remember seeing oh norma Shear. we haven't done Norma Shear, have we? Well, first I had her confused with the um, the maid in Doris Day's oh, Brock Hudson thing. yeah, our favorite. Why am I blanking on her name? Thelma yeah. Ritter. Thelma Ritter. Thelma Ritter, yeah. And then I went, we haven't done Norma Shear. Let's do that. So we did. So that was this week's 1930, The Divorcee. I'm telling you, it's a fun hour, 22 minutes. 
And next week, Christine? Oh, I'm so... Okay, so... Justine has known this pick for probably over a month at this point. Yes. Yes. And I haven't changed it, no matter how tempted I became. Do we get to try to guess it? Yes. Okay. The year is 1972. 1972. Ooh, I was a sophomore in college. Okay. Great rock year. Um, we... The reason I chose this was because Adam and I watched a documentary. Uh-oh. Uh, my brother watched a documentary? Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> about, this, about a person. 1972, about a person. And, um, what other hints do I give? There's a basketball player. There's a basketball player in the documentary. So and this is, is it? Do you know oh, are we doing about? a Bruce Lee film? Is it Enter the Dragon? How did you get that? Because yeah, he says wow. there's a basketball player in the film. Uh, I, I mean, I wrote The Way of the Dragon. The Way of the Dragon, 1972. That's, yeah, because it was like water. I was gonna pick a Bruce Lee film. Wow. No. Wow, because you know what? I was never into that, so I am anxious to see I mean, it. Either, but we watched the documentary, and it was very good. So if you, there's 30 for 30. It's 30 for 30, right? Mm-hmm. It's not 30 minutes long, though. It's like two hours. Um, but it's good. Title is deceiving. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going with that one. It looks like you can watch it on iTunes and Amazon Prime. And Google Play or something like that. But so it looks it, like it's a. It's the X. way we're doing the way of the dragon, right? The like, way of the dragon. Okay. The way of the dragon. Right. Okay. Poppy might actually join us on that. No. I don't, I don't know, but Ooh, you know. my brother could if he wants to. He might indeed. This is exciting. Wow. Well done, Christine. Way very, out of the Very off brand for me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But this is cool. All right. We could get listeners that we haven't had before. Uh-huh. Well, probably not. But. <laughs> we, we, but we could. It's a possibility. We could. Anything's possibility. possible. Okay. Well, there we go. We have next week's pick, 1972, before any of you were even thought of. Yeah. <sighs> It was that's before Poppy and I were together. Oh my wow. gosh, are we gonna? Was my stomach gonna hurt? Are we gonna hear weird stories? No, oh. I, I I'll keep those to a minimum. Oh. <laughs> you don't want to hear about my 1972. Trust oh. me. Oh. <laughs> Talk about Norma Shearer. Yeah, yeah. Norma Shearer up in this bitch. Oh, <laughs> man. Okay, listeners, well, there we go. (laughs) Bye.